Welcome to Idaho Speakeasy. We're on a mission to uncover and share the stories of Idaho's finest entrepreneurs, community leaders, local icons, and those who are impacting the community. Today, I'm with, at the Speakeasy with Karen Sander. She's the executive director for, um, for Idaho's Urban Land Institute. Welcome, Karen. Thank you for having me. Okay, so Karen, so um, let's, you know, since, you know, a lot of people listening, why don't we just do backstory? Like, who are you? How did you even get into this position? What's kind of the, uh, how'd you get here question? <laughs> so I am an immigrant. I arrived here in Boise 30 years ago. So this has been my home for 30 years. Oh. Grew up in South Africa, mostly in the Johannesburg area. So okay, wow. came from big, big city to, at that point, small, small city. Right. So what, what how did that happen? <laughs> Well, I came over with a group of South Africans that had been invited to race boats, jet boats. And it was during the Jet Boat World Series, so kind of unique. Um, we had guests that had come over to South Africa that were from this area that had raced um, in an event that I was involved with in South Africa called the Tugela Challenge. And they invited the South African racers to come back here and participate during the World Jet Boat Series. So my work partner and I came over and I was young, had a six month visa and this is where I, uh, life kind of happened. So 30 <laughs> years later, I'm still here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, and I know you've, um, prior to you being the executive director for the Idaho's Urban Land Institute, which I want to talk about uh, in just a minute, um, you also spent some time at the downtown Boise Association. So what it seems like you definitely got into these very leadership, these leadership roles. So what kind of jet boat racing <laughs> to, you know, like, what, Downtown, I feel, I feel yes. like I'm missing a piece of the story. <laughs> so um, my time with the Downtown Boise Association, um, I was there for about 11 and a half years and super proud of working on that team to really work towards the revitalization of downtown. And when I started in 2004, um, it's come a long way since then. And, yeah, and, and, and before then, mm -hmm. you know, I've worked downtown since, gosh, 92, 93, and just seen a huge transformation down here. And there's so many people that have worked so hard to make this a great place. And so I was um, very blessed to have had that position and worked great, uh, closely with a, a great team of people. Some of the things that I think I'm so proud of, we started the... Um, what they call the traffic box wraps, the art program on the streets, and uh, really, you know, worked hard to make things like Alive After Five and First Thursday and the Twilight Criterium and some of the big events that have happened really iconic yeah. in the city. So, you know, I'm so proud to have been a part of just a small part of that legacy to make this such an awesome so, place. So why growth? I mean, it seems like you've, you've centered around a lot of this growth of the mm -hmm. city like was there something that kind of called you into that or you know what what was it that got you into that well my background is in marketing and promotions and also in the event management world so i started out in big sports events okay uh sports marketing in south africa in events that had nothing to do with what you see here like cricket and rugby that don't even exist i played rugby though i did <laughs> well, play they rugby exist, yes. but they, <laughs> no, not at a level no i know it's huge <laughs> in south africa right it is. yeah it's, right it's you know national sport yes and so um, coming <laughs> over here to Idaho, I got very involved. My first job here was with Building Contractors Association. So got into the nonprofit world and got into the world of where people are 
building cities and, and making great places. So a combination of events, which is the vibrancy side of, of urban planning and um, got involved with um, nonprofits and that took me down the path and uh, through to Downtown Boise Association and then had this opportunity with the Urban Land Institute to run that nonprofit. And it's a membership-based organization and really their whole mission is about sustainable use of urban lands and creating great cities. And so I've had the opportunity now with Downtown Boise Association and the Urban Land Institute to work with great developers and urban planners and architects and the people that care about what our, what our place looks like and how it's growing, and they genuinely care. Mm-hmm. So um, you found your way into, from, the, from the Downtown Business Association into the Urban Land Institute. Now everyone's familiar about what that is. Can you explain what the yeah, organization so is? so Urban Land Institute was created in 1936. It was very much of a think tank originally, has evolved into a membership organization. They've got about 40,000 members worldwide. And um, they have what they call district councils. And so Idaho has a district council. And the members locally are also members of the national organization. And tons of programming, tons of um, resources available to the members, uh, case studies of, you know, if you're in the multifamily development world, they can, you know, reach out to other multifamily developers and get information and share information. Also, lots of programming that's done locally on at least a monthly basis where people can get together, learn network and um give me an example of some of these programs yeah so we just did one recently which is very relevant for downtown we got um two panels together one on the technical side and one more business and resident on the study that's being done for front and myrtle street okay and so the study that looked at you know these are two major streets that come into the downtown they dissect the downtown into kind of the north and south and looking at you know the to and through, what what you know what are the things that could be do be done to make it more pedestrian friendly, bike friendly, and also just that ease of getting across from a north south. Right, because right now it's very car friendly. It's very car friendly, yes. and and there's a reason for that. It was built to connect to the connector, mm. and when it was built, downtown did not look like this. Did not have the development that's occurred on these corridors. So this is a so, so I'm just going to inject. It seems like, because uh, you touched on something that, of course, I live right. You are, you, are, you look I'm at right, it. I'm right. I look at it every day. So um, so that's a topic, though, that um, I think a lot of people get concerned about because it's kind of a safety issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of moving traffic, and it's kind of this boundary or barrier it kind of creates because it's such a dicey road. It's five lanes, exactly. Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it seems like that... Um, um, you know, whoever the forces that be are, you know, to, uh, transportation-wise, are a little reluctant to change that. It seems like, and so it's have to be. It takes a lot of organization and a lot of planning and programming and things like that to get people on board with ch- making that change. Absolutely, and I yeah. think the thing that has um, been done right is that there is at least a study first. There's collaboration. The agencies that came together to do the study are ITD, Idaho Transportation Department, who owns and operates these two, um, uh, cert, uh, you know, these two, the couplets is what mm-hmm. it's called. You had ACHD at the table. You had um, Capital City Development Corporation that actually paid for the study. You had the city of Boise. So 
great collaboration in putting together this study. And now they're going through and looking at things that can be done differently. Keeping in mind it is a major transportation corridor, so you have to balance the needs of people getting to and through with people that are down here parked and then moving around. So yeah. it is a balancing act, and there are some great recommendations in the study. And so when we do these programs, you put both sides together mm -hmm. and look at that and have a great dialogue and opportunities for people to ask questions. And I think, in my mind, the more educated our community is, the more we can do great things. And whether that's, you know, making sure that the roads are safe for people and also mm -hmm. balance out transportation needs or creating great places or place making or great parks, you name it. When people come together, they talk. Yeah. I, and yeah, I think that's, that's so great that there is these initiatives to try to make our city better. Cause I think when it grows, it kind of grows in ways where it creates these stress points and, and that's where people get frustrated with growth. But when it's, we try to balance it out, and do some smart or like re correct some things that you know maybe didn't go as planned. Um, you're right because you know the, the downtown scene especially keeps changing and growing and develop. You know, and every time I come down here, people actually leave for a few months, come back. They're always like, "Whoa, it's changed." It's really yes. amazing, which is exciting. And yeah. I think you know the downtowns are the heart of your community. It's somebody's, you know backyard there you know this is where they come for entertainment and so it needs to be a special place it needs to be a place that people are proud of and so and we're very lucky that it is growing the alternate the alternative is not so <laughs> we don't want to go back to where we were not growing but i think the things that make it better in this community is being informed you know the the frustration comes from not understanding the process sometimes also not understanding that, you know, there are a lot of really smart people that are working on a lot of these issues. Sometimes the barriers are funding. When you think about we're in this area in our state, we don't have any funding mechanism for public transit. So we are car centric. Mm -hmm. So when you don't have funding to give people an, an alternate way to get out of their car and get on a bus or commute a ride or something else, at, at what point are we going to be so frustrated with the commute that we'll be willing to have that conversation about something like a, a local option tax? Mm -hmm. Well, then that goes back to the legislature. So there's, there's a lot of conversation that needs to happen at a local level about what are we willing to do for ourselves and what are we willing to put up with? So when those two merge, I think that the conversation will start to get a little louder and, you know, again, the, you know, there's a lot of nimbyism that goes on with growth because it, it, it can be frustrating, it can be scary, but I encourage people to learn about the process um, to, do, to speak up, but also understand that, you know, we're, we're in a situation where people are following the zoning, the, the codes, and some of the others. Not to say that those shouldn't be set in stone, but I think sometimes understanding that process when somebody buys a piece of property all they want is assurance so they're buying it with the expectation that they can develop it because the code says they can and then when that's taken away from them there's frustration on both sides and i think at the end of the day all of us want the same thing for our city we want a great city we want good things to happen so working together i think makes a huge difference 
I'm speaking with Karen Sanders. She's the executive director with the Urban Land Institute. And uh, Karen, so with the Urban Land Institute, um, is that is that a nonprofit then? It is a nonprofit okay. organization. Um, they are really research and education driven, um, hence the programming that we put on. And then they have um, these centers for housing and resilience and um, placemaking and all, all kinds of different things around creating great cities. And, and when, you, when you say create great cities, it's the things that make it a great place and give people opportunities. And so it, it really is. It's a nonprofit organization really focused on education, networking, research. And is it regional or is it all over? Where is so it? it's a national, international organization based okay. out of Washington, D.C. And then they have what we call district councils. So there are 50, 53 different district councils that exist through the Americas. And then they're over in Europe and Asia. Okay. And so very worldwide. And um, but the hence, work, hence you have all that access to all that information. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The sharing is incredible. And that's, yeah. that's a big part of what they do is when you remember, you have access to other members and, and other you know, best case scenarios. Has there been any projects while you've been there uh, at the Urban Land Institute focusing on or giving feedback or assisting or what, whatever, playing the role that you guys play in something other than downtown Boise? Can you describe oh, some of the other projects? So um, ULI Idaho has done a lot of work with um, downtown Meridian, downtown Nampa, some work with downtown Caldwell. Also, um, they have done a, a project where they looked at um, infill development, what that looks like, and working towards, you know, making sure that the... Um, our local folks were educated on what that looks like from other cities and bringing that information. Also, the the use of ag land for development. So they've done a whole study on that. And this is all available on our website. You can just Google ULI Idaho and look at some of the projects. We just did what they call a TAP, which is a technical assistance program up in Kootenai County um, in Coeur d'Alene. And their medical area is growing tremendously, hmm. impacting transportation, their, trans their corridor in that area. So a TAP, Technical Assistance um, Panel, comes together with experts in their fields, goes into that community, looks at the issue, the problem, the you know, opportunity, and studies it, surveys, meets with locals, does um, a series of interviews with the local folks, then puts a report back together of what they saw, what they learned, and some recommendations. So mm -hmm. it's a great program to do a little deeper dive into what's going on in a specific area or specific industry. Was the Urban Land Institute involved at all with the, uh, the, the VISTA corridor? Yes, so okay. the Healthy Corridor Program. Uh, ULI Idaho received a grant to um, study the VISTA corridor and that came through what they call the healthy corridor. When you talk about a healthy corridor, it's um, being able to get across it uh, safely, access kind of beautifications, like things like trees and um, slowing traffic down a little bit and making it more friendly. So um, a team of experts came in, did the study. And from that study, there were a list of recommendations and what was so nice about that project it was that the neighborhood associations, the business owners, the property owners were at the table with these experts that came in. And so they surveyed, they 
walked the corridor, they studied it, came up with these recommendations together, and now the neighborhood associations and the businesses and the property owners in that area have taken those recommendations, they all voted on them, what they want to tackle first, all the kind of lowest hanging fruit, and have taken that project forward. So there's now a team that's working on greening, there's a team that works on moving, which is kind of the transportation and mm. other, you know, biking, walking. There's a team that's working on vibrancy, which can be your events and uh, getting the business community um, together and more vibrant. In fact, the uh, business association has evolved out of that up in the Vista Corridor, which mm. has been great to watch. And then um, communication, which kind of falls under the leadership team. So it's been wonderful to see the neighborhood embrace this and move it forward. One of the other um, grants that we got was for a creative placemaking grant, and that was a competitive process, and the committee chose LED to do a placemaking project. In, like, they're probably looking at early September, and they're engaging the neighborhood to participate in. Um, they haven't decided what the project looks like or feels like just yet. They're in the early stages, but engaging the community in their own neighborhood, which is super exciting. Yeah. That is cool. So what how do you think overall about how Boise's growing, right? I mean, obviously, I, the whole, uh, whole state's growing. Um, and But since, you know, I'm based here and a lot of people listening here are based in, I, in Boise area, um, from your perspective, and because you not only, you know, we spent time at the Downtown Business Association, now you have the Urban Land Institute for Idaho, what, what's your thoughts about it and, and perspective on it? Well, first of all, I think it's really exciting that we are in a growth mode. I, you know, I think at the end of the day, from an economic development standpoint, it's good for most people, mm -hmm. well, pretty much everybody. I mean, there are jobs available, um, businesses are doing well. Um, so from that perspective, I think it's really good for mm -hmm. this area. I mean, it's um, we're still one of those areas in this country where it is mostly affordable. You know, there's you know, there's that affordability perception. Somebody moving in from somewhere else thinks it's greatly affordable. Right. The flip side, I think, is what we need to watch is the affordability for local housing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be something that's going to continue to be an issue that all of us need to be vigilant about and look at some solutions to, f to figure out the affordability yeah. of housing on all levels. You know, yeah. it's, it, I call it local housing. It's, it's, no matter where you are in the spectrum of your earnings, people should be able to either rent or buy at affordable right. level. And I'm, I'm sure other cities, there's so many other cities have gone through the same stress point. And I'm not sure if there's any good examples out there of people who've done it, you know, well, but I know this has been a pressure on a lot of, a lot of urban it areas. It really is. It's, yeah. it's definitely a trend nationwide, especially in the bigger metro areas. Um, there are tools out there that some cities can incorporate, some in things like inclusionary zoning, which here is not allowed. But at some point, there's going to have to be What some do you mean by inclusionary zoning? So when a project is developed, a certain percentage is set aside for a certain um, income level. I see. Okay. So that when gotcha. you build a project, it's not all high-end or all low-end. There's, you know, a mixed mixed. Okay opportunities so um there are a lot of people working really hard on affordable housing you've got idaho housing and um mm -hmm. association 
Um, you've got so many people working on this issue, but unless you have tools from a um, statutory and regula regulatory um, level, not a lot can be done. You know, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's expensive. You're in the real estate business. Mm -hmm. Land is not that cheap anymore. Mm -hmm. Building and costs have skyrocketed. Labor shortages have um, amplified that. So I think in all of this, the thing that is bubbling to the top is something as a community that we need to come together on is how to solve that affordable housing issue. The second thing that I think is solving public transit. I, mm -hmm. Those two things side by side are going to make this community Treasure Valley wide um, a livable city because you don't want that disparity, you know, the disparity between have and have not to grow more and more and more because when you have a vibrant city, it should be an equitable city. It should be for everybody. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a, is a big deal. Those, those two things, the affordability of housing and trans transit, you know, being able to get out of your car. And if you don't own a car, how do you get around, you know, right. so giving options in those two areas. I've, uh, I've traveled quite a bit and it's been interesting to see, um, how in some other cities around the world, um, how they kind of solve some of their transit and affordable ability issues uh, with housing is uh, with uh, having more housing closer in and vertical. Absolutely. And and so that definitely hasn't been the trend at least here and in, in many places in the United States. We're all about the sprawl, which creates more and more transportation challenges and cost. It really does. Yeah. Um, and so because you have to maintain all those roads. Absolutely. And, the the you know where where transit works is where there's a density of population. Uh, transit oriented development is the term that's used, and that is something that cities all along this corridor of the I-84 really need to, in my estimation, step up and look at where are those corridors where it makes the most sense because then transit can easily serve those areas. Density is not a bad word. Density creates walkable cities. It's where the infrastructure is so you're not spending more on infrastructure. And infrastructure is, you know, could be roads, water, power, you name it. So the other thing that density does is it preserves open space. Yeah. You know, we are a city here of loving our foothills and open space. Well, if you keep sprawling, mm -hmm. you're not going to preserve that open space. And that open space is also the agricultural land. Yeah. That's precious. And so density is not bad. It's just how you build it and where you build it and where it's where it fits in with a neighborhood and mm -hmm. how it's planned out. So in my mind, I think it's really important to look at those corridors and make sense, make sure we're building to accommodate public transit in an efficient way. So where should people go for more information about uh, the Land Institute or, you know, to get more information about, you said, these resources that you talked about? So Urban Land Institute, just ULI.org is the national um, website. Um, other places to look for, Idaho Smart Growth is a great resource resource project for public spaces is another great resource you know even attending some of the planning sessions that the city of boise is doing they really are doing a great job and outreach on what's going on with with growth you know checking with each of the city websites about what's going on um get involved learn about the process and you know it's sometimes it's daunting because we're so busy and there's so many layers but um 
again, I think an, a well-informed community helps it grow in the right way. Well, I love it. Uh, I want to thank you, Karin, for coming in. I've been speaking with Karin Sanders. She is the executive director for the Urban Land Institute here in Idaho. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. And uh, thank you for all the great information. I'll be sure to put all this on our website at idahospeakeasy.com. Again, thanks for coming in, Karin. Thank you. And we'll see you all back next time. Take care.